You're listening to the Fellowship on Broadway podcast from First Baptist Nashville. I'm glad you're here today. We are uh, we're pressing pause on our, our series through the book of Acts so that we can observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper together. And, um, and I'm excited about this. When Pastor Frank and I sat down earlier this spring to kind of map out our plan for the rest of the year as far as uh, sermons and, and what we were going to be teaching on a weekly basis, I highlighted today's date on my calendar. And I did it for several reasons. First of all, as most of you know, um, several months ago, I was asked to begin uh, taking a larger leadership role in this service when Brandon left to go be the pastor at another church um, in town. And he's very mad at us this morning because he's been wanting to do worship in the round in FOB for five and a half years. And we finally did it today. So um, I sent him a picture this morning. this has been a great season for me, and, and I'm excited about today because it's the first time I get to lead a service like this. And in much the same way, I was excited the first time that I uh, officiated a wedding or did a, a child-parent dedication. I'm, I was excited about the opportunity to lead this service today. The second reason I highlight it is that I just love the Lord's Supper. I love um, participating in this ordinance with other people. The last two churches that Becca and I attended, well, the last two churches that I attended and the last one that we attended once we got married were churches that observed the Lord's Supper every Sunday in the morning worship gathering. And I loved that. And, And during that season, particularly when we got married and we began to go do this together, it became a really important rhythm, an important part of my life and my faith. And, and to be honest with you, I've, I've grieved the loss of it a little bit because we don't do it every week in our 1030 worship service here. And so sometimes I find myself getting here early and I go up to the service of Word and Table. We, if you don't know, we have a service that meets every Sunday at 8.15 a.m. and we do the Lord's Supper every week in that service. And sometimes I just go and I sneak in the back just so I can go to the table and be refreshed and to be renewed. And And the third reason I highlighted this is because we weren't trying to just tag it on to the end of a sermon about Acts. We decided to take a pause and really focus in and and read some scriptures and and really examine this. And um, for me, it's been a learning experience to study these texts. And I hope that what you're going to get um, this morning through through my time here is is a new understanding and a fresh look at what it means to observe the Lord's Supper. So so that question that that Dr. Packer answered is simply this, what is the Lord's Supper? And that's the question that I want us to ask ourselves this morning and that I want to explore and, and dwell on together today. And I don't think there's a better place to start than with Jesus instituting this in the Gospels. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 22. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. And I'm going to read verses 14 through 20. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup is poured out for you This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Luke 22, 
14 through 20. The, the significance of the setting here is very important. This is a Passover meal. Have any of you ever done a, a Passover Seder before? A few of you have, yeah. It's a beautiful um, uh, remembrance. It's a major Jewish holiday back then and even today that remembers God's deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt, right? We think back to the Exodus when God sent Moses to Egypt and Moses showed up and he gave Pharaoh, what was his message to Pharaoh from God? Let my people go. Can I just, can you be honest? Did anybody else when we said that together, did you imagine Charleston, Charlton, Charlton Heston in your mind a little bit? Is that his name, Charlton Heston? Teenagers, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, parents, you have work to do. That's your homework for this week. Pharaoh was, was stubborn. He wouldn't listen to God. He wouldn't listen to Moses. So God sent a series of plagues on Egypt, the last of which was the death of the firstborn in all of Egypt. Unless the people took the blood of a lamb and, and wiped it, smeared it on their door frames and their doorposts, then the angel of the Lord would, would come in and kill the firstborn Everyone, even it says of the livestock and the animals. And so the Jews slaughtered lambs and took the blood and wiped it on their doorposts. And so when the angel of death went by, he passed over and did not take their firstborn. But everywhere else in all of Egypt, the firstborn were killed. And so Pharaoh relented. He, he let the people go. And so from that moment on, the Jewish people have celebrated, they have remembered this event with the Passover meal. It's a memorial of their redemption from captivity, of God's faithfulness, that they're going to take this meal this time and they're going to remember this huge, significant moment in their history. And so that's what Jesus and his friends are doing. They're faithful Jews and they're sitting down to have this meal together to remember. And this is the night that he's about to be arrested tried and then crucified. They were spending time together remembering. They were looking back, right? But then Jesus does something interesting right in the middle of this meal. He invites them to look forward. Did you notice it? In there, the, the Passover meal takes this turn twice as Jesus references the kingdom of God, which is something he's been teaching about now for three years. People are familiar with Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. And so the implication he says is that he's not going to eat this again until the kingdom of God is fulfilled. He says that twice about the bread and then the wine. And the implication is that Jesus is not going to participate in the Lord's Supper. He, he, he's not going to do it again until what? Until the kingdom of God comes until the Messiah's feast. He's looking forward to the day when there's going to be a great feast, when all is going to be made well, when the Messiah has come and the Messiah has returned and everything is made right. But Jesus hasn't done that yet. He hasn't died yet. He hasn't been resurrected yet. He hasn't returned. And so he's looking forward to what he's about to do. His death, his resurrection, we believe that this unleashes, or in some, in some circles, they say inaugurates the kingdom of God. And then he's going to return, he says. He's going to make all things new, and Jesus will reign over a new creation. So, so do you see he's, he's mentioning this. He's looking forward, but then he also tells them to look back. So he focuses their attention on the future, and then he gives this, this thing, and he says, I'm, I'm giving you a new covenant. I'm inviting you to look back. 
So I think what's happening here is that in this, this holy moment where faithful believers are, are gathered to look back on God's covenant promises to them, on God's faithfulness, on God's redemption that he showed them in Egypt, Jesus says, okay, now we're gonna change things. There is a, a new covenant in my blood. There is new redemption. Now, when you come to the table from here forward, I don't want you to remember Egypt. I want you to remember me. There's a new lamb whose blood is being shed for you. And he says this just moments before he's going to go and be crucified. Something that Jesus does a lot in the New Testament is he takes these very religious moments, these holy moments for Judaism, and he just shifts their perspective. And he says, I am the one. And everything is changing. He's reimagining what this Jewish faith looks like based on the work that he is doing on the cross and through his resurrection. So in Luke, what we're seeing is the institution of the Lord's Supper. But you also notice that Jesus didn't say, and I want you to call it the Lord's Supper. That's what Paul did. Paul calls it the Lord's Supper, and that's why we refer to it as the, as the Lord's Supper. In, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20, that's what Paul called it. And, and the description that follows and the verses that follow verse 20 of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, it's is very important for us to look at this alongside the passage of Luke because it shows us how this began to play itself out and what it looked like in the early church. So I'm gonna read 1 Corinthians 1 verses, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 11 verses 23 through 28. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. As I studied these two passages over the past couple of weeks, it hit me that I think about the Lord's Supper as this moment where I'm going to go and I'm going to reflect and remember because he said, do this in remembrance of me. It's, it's looking back. I'm gonna go and reflect and I'm gonna look back. But that's certainly an, an integral aspect of it, obviously. But I also read these texts and I think that in addition to looking back, we're also invited to look forward as Jesus talked about in Luke 22 to the, to the feast, to the Messiah's feast. But this text from Paul also says that we need to look within. Verse 28 says, examine ourselves. So, so I just wanna talk about those three, three things first. In the Lord's Supper, we are invited to look back. I, I think most of us get this, that Jesus ins institutes something new and he draws our attention to remember him, to remember his sacrifice, to, to in this moment as we come to the table to say, I'm looking back, I am reflecting on what Christ has done for me, his, his life, his death, his resurrection, redemption, covenant, faithfulness, just the way that, in the same way that the Jews had done for centuries, looking back to God's faithfulness in Egypt, we now look back to God's redemption and faithfulness through the blood of Christ. But we're also invited to look forward in eager anticipation of the day that when Jesus is going to come again, he will make 
all things new. And so when we gather at the table, verse 26 says that we are proclaiming this glorious future. We're proclaiming the death of Christ until he returns. So the table is not merely about, not just about looking back. It's also about looking forward. We do this knowing that it's not over yet and that everything is going to be made new. This, this fragment of bread and a sip of, from the cup is the first course in what will be an eternal feast. It is the, the first course in something that we will do for eternity because Jesus is going to return and make all things new and rule and reign over new creation. He pointed us to that in Luke 22 and Paul points us to that in 1 Corinthians 11. And we are invited, lastly, to look within. Paul says in verse 28 that we must examine ourselves so as not to come to the table in an unworthy manner. And I don't know about you, but when I examine my life and examine my heart, there's one thing that I recognize over and over again. There's not anything I'm going to do to make myself worthy of this table. And so the reality is the only thing that makes us worthy is Jesus. Our worthiness is not found in anything we can do. By placing our faith in Jesus, by offering our lives to him as living sacrifices, that's how we become worthy to share in this meal. It's not about us, it's about him. This is why you've heard this said in this church and in other churches that we say that the table, that, that this Lord's Supper or communion is for believing and baptized followers of Jesus. That's not because we're trying to exclude anyone. On the contrary, the table is open to everyone, but this is the analogy I heard. It's like the, the table is in the dining room and professing faith in Jesus and being baptized is like walking through the front door of the house. And you've got to come into the house if you want to sit at the table. So we're not trying to exclude anyone. We're just trying to get this in the right order and saying this table is open for everyone. The door, the front door is wide open to everyone if you believe. If you confess with your heart, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And to follow him in baptism is this outward sign of an inward hope. So it's worth noting, this isn't a sermon about baptism. But if you haven't been baptized, what are you waiting for? If you know Jesus and you have faith in him, I wanna to talk to you about that. And if you'd say, wait, well, I haven't even walked to the front door yet. I'm just checking this thing out then you need to know that the door is wide open, that the grace and hope and love, the thing that Jesus has done, that he's asking us to remember, he's doing it for each one of us, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter how messed up you think you are. It's for you. And so the question again, what is the Lord's Supper? Here's a really big definition. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. It's a lot of words. I'm sorry. Christ commanded all Christians to eat bread and to drink from the cup in thankful remembrance of him and his death. The Lord's Supper is a celebration of the presence of God in our midst, bringing us into communion with God and with one another, feeding and nourishing our souls. It also anticipates the day when we will eat and drink with Christ in his Father's kingdom. It's a definition from something called the New City Catechism. It's robust. It's theological. I love everything about it. And I would say this. This is my simpler definition. 
The Lord's Supper is an invitation to look back, to look forward, and to look within. And when we do that, here's the cool thing. When we look back, when we look forward, when we look within, do you know what we see in each one of those places? We see Jesus. We look back and see all that he has done for us, his life, his death, his resurrection, the work of Jesus is what we remember, what we are called to remember in this moment. We look back, we look forward and we say, it's not over yet. He will return and make all things new. There is a feast for the Messiah King. And so we look forward to that day. At this table, we think about that table. And then we look within, we examine ourselves and go, I am not worthy of this, but Jesus has made me worthy through his work. The Lord's Supper is an invitation to look back, to look forward, and to look within. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for what you did. And in, in this moment with your disciples, Lord, in the upper room, you, you looked forward, you looked back, and, and Paul is inviting us to look within, Lord. And so we do all of those things today. And what I find welling up in my heart, Lord, is, is an overwhelming sense of gratitude, recognition of the fact that I am not worthy, but that you loved me anyway. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for the life that you lived and what, the way you taught us to live. Thank you, Father, that you sacrificed him on the cross as the atonement for our sin. And thank you, Jesus, that you did not stay dead, but that you defeated sin and death once and for all when you rose from the grave. And so, yes, we remember. And we thank you for who you are. Amen. Fellowship on Broadway is a worship service at First Baptist Church in downtown Nashville, and we'd love for you to join us on Sundays.